0: Right here from the meandering Fox River Valley here in the mid Midwest. This is Life's Learning Curve, the podcast. Podcast. I'm former educator and current tech guy Paul Hart. Just what is it that we do here on this podcast? Well, storytelling. uh, Our experience is complete as we use these nonfiction stories, storytelling from our lives to underscore just how we became us, maybe a better us, the person we became. Now, learning is ongoing, and we understand that. And I want you to know that getting up and getting out of bed every day and learning something, whether it's big or small or in between, makes my heart beat just a little bit faster. You know, when I think back to my childhood, it seems that some teachers teachers that we had in school, it seems like they just never die. However, some live in your memory forever. After all, when you went to school, these teachers were there when you arrived, and they were also still there when you left. They were kind of like appliances. And, you know, every once in a while, these teachers would teach you something. Actually, they taught you constantly if you were listening, but that's the way we perceived it at the time. And then there were those teachers who, well, weren't really too engaged with their students. They didn't hook in. They just taught and moved in and moved on and didn't make that connection. Unplugged. They just couldn't connect. And that easily made the few educators that applied themselves and cared really stand out. Stand way out. A teacher that cared asked us questions about ourselves or whatever. You know, nothing personal, but just get to know you type stuff. Now, for this episode, my lifetime frame was 8th grade. I think around, we're around 14 years old, and we're in the year 1973, and it was a time filled with a lot of change, musically, politically, obviously. And we had some very diverse and ever-evolving music happening as well, a time of change. And I'm going to tell you about this standout music educator named Mr. Roush. You know, it's funny you don't think of a teacher's first name too often I don't think I know his first name I can't even guess it I would have to yearbook that to look that up but this was a man who took many of the students almost all of his students to the highest of their very high levels of learning and he also took us to the lowest low probably we had had up into our lives for many of us at that point let's check this out Sebastian Life's Learning Curve. I'm Paul Hart. Episode, Let's Be Copacetic. Stand by. When you're 14, well, you have no real control over your life. It can be turned upside down and inside out, and sometimes that happens in just a minute. But at that age, it can happen in a second. Some gifts in life are simple, and some come at a price. And I guess Everybody remembers their very first top-notch great teacher. Now, I know I remember mine, but I was lucky enough to have had quite a few of these before I even met Mr. Roush. But for most of the people I knew, this guy was the top. He was the best. He was the best they'd come across. But today, I just want to talk about Mr. Roush, and that's the content of this episode. But it was not this episode is not happening because he was my first really great dynamic effective teacher but i want to talk to you about him because it was his first class and his last class that he ever taught let's face it with most teachers you never really knew them any more than they really knew you and still for a while you believed in them you trusted them and if you were lucky maybe there was one in there that believed in you now let's face it as i've said already mr rosh was not your ordinary teacher that's hard to define anyway there is no such thing as an ordinary anything but this guy was different he taught band to middle schoolers that was his job in private lessons formerly known as junior high middle school these days Now, this guy was more like a musical whirlwind, a tornado of quarter notes and energy, and he walked fast, and he talked quickly as well, and he was young. He was fresh. You know, they hired him right out of the University of Illinois, right out of college, and because of his age, I think he could relate to us, or at least we like to think he could relate to us at our young ages of 14, and it showed. He was funny, and he was kind, and he's kind of hip to us in a way that other teachers just weren't. Oh, it was nothing personal. Didn't ask us personal questions or nothing inappropriate. Everything was on the up and up. He's just like a great guy to be with. Let's go. What you saw in the classroom was exactly how Mr. Rosh was outside the classroom. He took time to listen, really listen, and we noticed that. Well, he had sandy blonde hair, he stood about five foot ten, and at that awkward age we were at, we knew he liked us. He was happy to see us at every band rehearsal. You respected this guy, and you wanted him to respect you too. Why? Cats and kittens, let's go! He drew the line quickly and efficiently to those students who challenged him showing bad or immature behavior. We took notice. As a group... As a band, we realized that with Mr. Raj's style of behavior management, now there was the rest of us who actually cared about the class, cared about music and maybe learning about it. We could thrive in that environment. And we did. Soon, very soon, the behavior problems dissipated, leaving that road open to learn and saturate our educational needs. I'll never... I forget how Mr. Roush stepped up to the director's podium each day. There's a podium that a director steps up on to, you know, raise the baton and get ready to cut off the song. One, two, three, four, yeah, da, 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 whatever. So he always came to the podium each day, and to quiet us down, he said one sentence that worked each time because it was so unusual. He would hold up his hands as if he was stopping traffic, and he would say, Okay, cats and kittens, uh, let's be copacetic. The jazz concert. As I said, Mr. Roush had just graduated from the University of Illinois, and where he, it was a place where he had excelled in playing trombone. Now, as a band director, you have to learn to play all the instruments. But his primary instrument was the trombone. It was lower brass. And when he began sharing stories about playing in jazz band at the University of Illinois, we took notice practically every day as we entered the band room before class. As we walked in, there was a speaker system, four speakers throughout the room. Nice. It was a large room. And these playful recordings would be on the University of Illinois jazz band, and many of us had not even heard jazz up until that time. So we were kind of curious. The music was quirky and it was odd, and yeah. but yet it was kind of cool. You know, it was, it was very different. It wasn't rock and roll, but man, it was different. It's kind of cool. One day we asked Mr. Roush about it. Mr. Roush, what's that music we hear when we come in? What is that? Oh all of that. That's my jazz band group from college. We played all over the nation, doing gigs for money and sometimes just for the fun of it. Can we hear some more, Mr. Rush? Some more music? Some jazz? Can we hear some more? Come on, Mr. Rush. Just briefly. Okay. (laughs) He did. He played more for us. We heard his parts because he pointed it out. Every time he'd lift his finger up, his index finger, that would be his solos or his little parts that he played. sometimes big parts that he played. His trombone parts on the recording sounded like no other trombone I had ever heard. One day, Mr. Roush came in and said, Hey, 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 uh, Captain Kittens, listen up. You know the music I play when you guys come in every day, the jazz music? Yeah, we were all aware of that, sure. Well, hey, we have a gig right here in town next week. The new jazz band from the University of Illinois asked me to come over and sit in with the new players. This year's jazz band. Cool. You know, for me, it's, I gotta tell you, it's quite an honor to be asked back to play. Let's <laughs> work, Mr. You guys should come over and hear us. Yeah, let's go. Now our parents realized what a positive influence this young educator was having on all of us at the awkward age of 14. So what was the result? Well, I'll tell you, more than half of our junior high school band bought tickets to his jazz concert, which was performed at this really cool concert hall a few miles from our school. And that particular Saturday night, the night of the show, the jazz concert, there we all sat with our parents at our side. We're only 14. Nobody's driving yet. There we sat, happy to be there, kind of waving at each other, different parts of the auditorium. And that was when I began to appreciate another form of music, jazz music. It was tight, and it was, seemed so structured, but that was the disguise. It was disguised as a free and loose sound, but there was so much intricacy to it. Nice, you know. I wondered, maybe I could become a jazz musician someday, a drummer, a jazz drummer, you know, like Mr. Roush, he seems to love jazz. I'd like to do that too. Days later, we're back in the band classroom. And I've already said this class was not just another class, and Mr. Rouse just wasn't another teacher. I'm underscoring that several times as, as I go through this episode. Mr. Roush made us feel like we all wanted to get to know this person. This person that seemed to love music. Cats and kittens. His kind of music. And it was just not me that felt this way. It was all of us. We're all asking him questions constantly. He was so excitable. He was the excitable boy that just... Loved what he was doing, and he got to share it with students. You gotta hear this too. <laughs> the funny thing about Mr. Roush is he never really spoke of anything personal in his life. He never did, except for his passion for music, classics, current music, jazz music. And we'd sit down, and after after class, and if we had a study hall, we could come in and we could talk about the classics. He'd share that with us, uh, talk about contemporary music and changes and the way something was cut, or the way it sounded. He also liked music from the radio. And of course, so did we. The Incentive I remember that school year, Mr. Rausch had an incentive for selling the highest number of tickets to our concert, our early spring concert. The top six sellers would be treated to an early spring Saturday Cubs game at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Now, back in 1973, outings on the weekend with teachers and chaperones were fairly common. It could happen, and they were safe. So, I came in at ticket seller number six. Six. <laughs> and had an amazing spring day with Mr. Roush, the other kids from my class, and chaperones from band. I remember that we parked the car. Mr. Roush parked his car, and we didn't know where we're at. You know, we didn't drive, so we parked the car, and we were about literally about three miles away from Wrigley Field. But we had to find a free parking spot because you know teachers weren't paid very much back then, and Mr. Walsh had that energy and spirit that made you excited just to be sprinting to the ballpark. And I remember up, jogging, sometimes running up the streets, and he's talking about music the whole time, oh, and listen, he's man, carrying a conversation cool. as he's hear. running back and forth. Oh, yeah, that thing, just crazy. hyper fun and full of energy. A fun haver, right? Great instrumentation. Oh, you yeah. know what's funny is these days, that ball game that we went to at Wrigley Field... Um, I don't recall who was playing besides the Cubs, and I don't remember who won or who lost. But I do remember the people I was with. And how much fun it was to be independent and to feel like I was on my own that day at age 14 with my cool teacher and my buddies from school. And oh, I was feeling inspired and yeah. I had a renewed interest in learning and conversation about music. We're with you, Mr. Robinson. And I wasn't the only one that felt that way. Yeah, yeah, cool. sharps and, and 6 notes. <laughs> the opportunity. One day... Mr. Roush asked to see me after class. I wasn't a problem, kid, so I wasn't worried about being disciplined or something. Just really curious. So upon entering his office, he had a very small office, I saw posters up on the wall. I hadn't been in that office before. There were Bach and Mozart posters, and as well as on the other wall a Led Zeppelin poster. <laughs> hey, sit down, Paul. Listen, hey, I got a question for you. Uh, tell me. How do you see yourself? What kind of drummer do you see yourself as? Mm. Mr. Roush? Wow, it's a tough question. I I don't think I'll ever be like an A-plus drummer, like, you know, in a band, but I don't know. Well, let me tell you something, Paul. I don't see things that way about you. If you're going to be a lower level drummer, that's going to have to be your choice. Well, that was a lot for me to think about at that particular moment. So I let a beat pass, thought about it, and said, I want to be a really good drummer, Mr. Roger. I really do want to be a good drummer. And, and I did. And I did. I didn't know how to get there. I thought it just happened, you know. But that's not the case, usually. But tell me, Paul, what are you going to do about it right now to get there, to being a better drummer? Let's get this going. Uh, he was right. I hadn't thought about it well enough. If I was going to be a better player, a better drummer, I needed to act on it. And I needed to do that soon, at age 14. Not wait till I was older. Good. I see a kid with a musical future. Listen, I've got a guy who can take you to that next step and be the best at percussion. But first I want to say, listen... There's this program at the University of Illinois. It's called the Illinois Summer Youth Music Camp. Here's a brochure. Wow. It's in Champaign, Illinois, at the University of Illinois, and that's why I know about it. This, it's going to be this summer. I want to recommend you for this program. Wow. I said. Mr. Roush, if so if I go to this camp, it's going to make me a better drummer, a better percussionist? Do you want to be better? Do you want to be a better player? I want to be better, yes. Okay, here's where we start. You're going to need private drum lessons for a few months before you audition for this camp. You can't just get in it. So you need some private lessons. And I have just the guy for you. Later in the day, that evening, I talked this over, this band camp thing at the University of Illinois. I talked it over with my tightly budgeted parents but they were believers in taking steps forward and you've got to try and you've got to get help sometimes to become better and I stepped into that world, the world of private drum lessons with a man named Mr. McCabe, private lessons Tuesday nights yeah, sit down, things there were basic yeah. back to the basics, they were rudimentary and they were tedious You're terrible. they bored me But I did study. I think out of fear I studied. And I practiced hard. I practiced harder than I had done a lot of things in my life up to that point. Mr. McCabe was not an easy man to please. Do do you even ever practice? And seemed to be constantly disappointed in what I was doing. That's going to be another podcast about that. And it's not all negative, but... There is one about that. But I can tell you the result of these private lessons. My playing became crisp and sharp, better. I became a better sight reader of music and technically competent. For more on that wild (laughs) and wooly music camp experience, I've done a podcast episode about this already. It's called My Kerouac Summer. Please go back in the episode list and listen to that one. Had a lot of fun that summer for more on that amazing life experience, right? But best of all, Mr. Rausch was right. My life had changed from those private lessons. Way to go, Paul. And then summer music camp at the University of Illinois. These guys were professionals, and they didn't hold back. They were tough on you, but, man, you learned things. You got better. So let me say something. Right there. That one meeting, that one sit-down after class with Mr. Rausch changed things, changed directions for me in my life. It carried me all the way into high school where I became the first chair drummer my senior year. And after that, I auditioned for many bands and usually got the gig after that. I had a lot of fun in my life with drums and percussion. All due to that meeting with Mr. Roush. Change. And then one spring day we had a substitute teacher for band. Where's Mr. Roush? Is he sick? Teachers get yeah. sick and they have to have substitutes sometimes. She was different than Mr. Roush, of course. She awkwardly disciplined the immature kids and they began to goof off again and we stumbled around our music that we were working on for the next concert. And we had spent almost a week without Mr. Roush. What was interesting was that the band room itself kept this vibe. It was his vibe that was still in there. We'd walk in uh, to the band room. That music was not on, the jazz music. Not having Mr. Roush there was like listening to a song without its melody. You know, you could tell he was missing. It didn't have the same feel. The magic was not there. And I missed entering that room to that jazz music filling the room and he, it did It was music coming out of four speakers doing different things quirky rhythms and bold solos so a group of us got frustrated after a full week without Mr. Roush. we were a little bit worried and we went down to the office and talked to the building administrator the principal and he told us that Mr. Rausch would be back he was just sick But that wasn't the case. But that, that turned into two months. Brain cancer, we were told. It was late in its stages. Mr. Rausch was at the young age of 24 and he had not known. He was sick. No idea. Until the late stages set in. Melody returns. One day, just before our final late spring concert of the year, we unenthusiastically lumbered into the band class with the same substitute. Really used to be that great. day, however, playing in the background speaker system was the University of Illinois Jazz Band. Shh, shh, what? 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 What's going on? We instantly perked up. The whole group. We we quickly took our seats and took our instruments out and put them together and out of the office came Mr. Roush. And a cheer went up that continued for at least three minutes. We were happy. We noticed he had no hair. He wore a green beret across his naked head and, and an obvious surgical scar went from the back of one ear all the way around to the back of his other ear, and it's still was prominent. Worst of all, he limped to the band podium moving slowly, and the room fell silent Shh. as Mr. Roush playfully looked at us. And he had that look in his eye that he always did. And he stepped up onto the podium and he said in a strong voice, "Okay, cats and kittens, let's be copacetic." <laughs> well, where were we? We laughed. He was pretending like he'd only been gone a day. Hey, ready to play? Put his hands up to begin directing. We played a Sousa march that day, and we played our hearts out for the guy. We never sounded better. A week later, we got the news an administrator stood in the band room and told us that no. Mr. Roush had passed away the day before. He was at home. Brain cancer. No. The administrator from the central office stepped onto the podium and said to us, You know, students, he was respected by his fellow teachers, and he was a fine man. Now you can imagine the response Because I don't think this administrator Knew anything about him Anything He liked jazz A teen yelled from the trumpet section And then Came a verbal tribute Sentence by sentence As if we were explaining our tribute To this administrator Things were yelled out He loves good music He played a great trombone he cared about Mr. us. Mr. is so funny. He believes in me. Well, he believed in me. There was a silence, and there was a pause. No adult or student knew what to do at that point. Normally a quiet kid. I was lost in my thoughts. Could this really be happening? And then it came. It was a cry from, it seemed like the back corner of the room, but was somebody back there or not? It didn't matter. A student yelled out, Okay, cats and kittens, let's be copacetic. We have to be. It's our only choice right now. Yeah, Mr. Raj would have wanted that. The room fell silent and a sad smile or two emerged. I just wanted you to know that I'll never let you go so stay. Home. Now, that day after school, I was surprised when I didn't take the bus home, but my dad was there, and he picked me up. I probably guess he had known about what had happened to Mr. Roush. And after a few minutes, my dad quietly tried to uh, read me. I heard you had a tough day, son. Now, not knowing what to do or how to exactly feel at that time, I found myself saying nothing. That was pretty common for me. Mr. Rausch's death had left me with questions. My once secure and well-functioning universe felt, well, kind of fragile at that time. And as my father and I motored down the road that late afternoon, I had questions. Lots of questions, but in typical form for me, I asked nothing. But I knew I would have to face those questions again, someday. After a pause and a lot of thought, I finally spoke. Dad? Yeah. Uh, Don't ever die, okay? Nah. My dad smiled confidently and said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna die. But for then, at age fourteen, that was good enough for me. For life's learning curve, I'm Paul Hart. Subscribe to Life's Learning Curve at lifeslearningcurve.org and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Episode 52, Let's Be Copacetic of Life's Learning Curve podcast was assembled by producers Sebastian T. Dogg and Paul Hart. Editor, Paul Richards. Audio and sound by Riley Hart. Please find us on Facebook and listen to us just about everywhere podcasts are heard these days. Visit our website, lifeslearningcurve.org and subscribe, read a blog, or shoot us an email. This episode has imaginative voice recreations to protect the privacy of others. Some names have been changed and characters conflated. Episode 72, Let's Be Copacetic. I'm Paul Hart, and we will be back soon with more from the podcast called Life's Learning Curve. (laughs)